0: There will be spoilers, 100 films, 100 podcasts. I am Matt Bezell. And I am Ethan Knight. And you're joining us for episode 17 now? Is that right? God, I don't know. (laughs) Sub-20 episode and the film Easy Rider, made in 1969. Yes. It's a very short film in that it was only an hour and 35 minutes.
1: Yes, perhaps the shortest film we have viewed thus far.
0: And... Well, I guess we should probably get this out of the way up front. I messed up our spoiler sequence for this week.
1: <laughs> yes, this is housekeeping. Housekeeping.
0: Want I get out in front of it? Because I don't want your judgment, any of Good. you. But I will make a defense for what happened.
1: I Wait, I have a theory. I have a theory. I have a theory as to what All happened. All right, go ahead. There was a terrible sequel made in, like, 2007, called Easy Rider something, 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 something. Easy Rider, the terrible sequel. And I, if I were to guess, I would say that that was what you accidentally quoted from. Am I correct?
0: I can't tell if you're making this up or if that's an actual... No,
1: no, there really is. There's a sequel. Hold on. It's like Easy Rider, ah, 2012, Easy Rider, The Ride Back.
0: Hmm. Well the events of this film that you will relate to us in your plot synopsis will really disallow any ride back but <laughs> in any case that's not what happened i had quoted from a film called five easy pieces which also has jack nicholson in it oh. and it was made a single year after this film and so i did not notice the difference between the two as i was searching through clips and I think I had gotten set on that clip because of the diner scene in this film it translates to another yes. diner scene. And so I think I just got confused. And, of course, I had never seen this film prior. Our production is such that we don't have enough time to watch the film.
1: Two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. two
0: weeks ago. And so I went with that. And that was a mistake. So, well, Matt, whoops.
1: we all make mistakes. And here we are. So I think we can cut you some slack. I, ho- I hope so. Now, that's housekeeping number one. I have a little more housekeeping that I think we should talk about before we jump into the thing. And this is it. (laughs) Um, Good transitions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The first thing I want to talk about is I want to have a shout-out to all of our listeners in India this month. We had more listeners in India than we did in America. So to our Indian listeners, thank you
0: yeah good on them they're coming out listen to our 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 crazy podcast in which apparently mistakes are made but uh we do our best here and people seem to be appreciating it and we are very thankful for that
1: maybe we should just actually get to the stated purpose of this thing we do
0: which begins with our plot synopsis which you will give to us right now
1: easy rider is the story of Wyatt and Billy, two bikers who sell a large amount of cocaine. They hide their substantial haul in Wyatt's, a.k.a. Captain America, a.k.a. Peter Fonda, not Henry Fonda, Peter Fonda, in his chopper, in his gas tank, and they head from L.A. to New Orleans because they want to catch Mardi Gras. On the way, they stop at a farmer's place, and Wyatt is really enamored of the whole thing, They keep moving on. Shortly after, they pick up a hitchhiker who takes them to his commune, because this is 1969. And they stay there for a little bit. Billy is really eager to leave, and so the hitchhiker, right before they go, sends them on their way with some LSD. Further along on the way, they participate, and when I say participate, I mean they sort of crash, a small-town parade illegally, obviously, and they're put in jail. They meet George Hanson. He's played by... Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. I can't get, Again, I can't get through it without screwing up one name. A small-town alcoholic lawyer who works with the ACLU, who they convince to come with them to Mardi Gras. As they camp one night, they convince him to smoke marijuana with them, which he's initially reluctant to do, but eventually he relents and enjoys himself. So they keep moving, and they hit Louisiana, and they stop at a diner where they receive mixed responses. The local young girls are really enamored. The local men and the sheriff are disgusted and think they're homosexual, and they predict that they're not going to make it out of the parish, which, for those of you who are not familiar with Louisiana, that's their version of a county, essentially. The men leave the diner without eating, and they get out of there, After they make camp later that night, they're attacked by local rednecks, and George is beaten to death. So, (laughs) they just kind of continue on after they wrap him up in his sleeping bag to New Orleans, and they stop at a brothel that George had recommended. They take their companions out to Bourbon Street, and they enjoy Mardi Gras, And then they go to one of New Orleans' famous above-ground cemeteries to take that LSD that they had been given. They have a crazy trip full of sex and strangeness and who knows what. And the next day, Billy and Wyatt get back on their bikes and they leave to head to Florida to, quote-unquote, retire. On the way, two rednecks pull up in a pickup truck and threaten them with a shotgun. Billy flips them the bird And is shot. Wyatt pulls back. Turns around to help. And then jumps back on his bike. To go get some actual medical help. The rednecks pull a U-turn. Shoot at Wyatt. Blow up his motorcycle. They kill him obviously. And the film ends.
0: I think you also left out the six or seven. Full length songs that are played. Oh yeah. As they travel across this great nation of ours. To sort of iconic songs, what, Born to be
1: Wild. Born to be Wild. And in fact, Matt, I have to throw this out there. When Born to be Wild came on, because there's all these very sort of sharp cuts in this film, dear listener.
0: I I wouldn't call these sharp cuts. I want to talk about these in our, does this hold up, but I wouldn't necessarily call them sharp cuts.
1: Well, anyway, there are cuts and they cut to sort of the next scene abruptly, I guess I would argue. And, One of these early on in the film, the first real road scene with the guys on the motorcycles starts with Born to be Wild. And Matt, let me tell you, that scene shift happened and I shouted like a child, yes! And very much enjoyed all of these long road scenes with full like late 60s, early 70s. Rock and roll music. I loved it. I loved Is it. Is this
0: sarcasm? I can't tell.
1: No, no. I'm I'm 100% serious, man. You generally I,
0: like these long, drawn out yes. scenes in which they are riding on motorcycles across featureless countryside.
1: I would not call it featureless. There are mountains. There. It, yeah. No. I loved this. It was. It's beautiful. I I'm all about the road movie, man. I don't know if our listeners or you even know this, but I am all about the road movie i love it
0: i think it was horrific and i think we're going to be at odds the rest of the episode
1: (laughs) well that's fine
0: i think to start us off with the actual teeth sinking into of this film i want to give us a pivotal scene because as i see it this film is very much about a, a small number of themes and then it's going to hammer those home the remainder of the runtime Mm -hmm. And so the scene I want to talk about occurs very nearly at the end of the film before they get to New Orleans right before George is murdered and it's where George is talking about freedom and people's fear and also their subjugation by capitalism Mm -hmm. and so let's go ahead and give it a listen.
1: used to be a hell of a good country. I can't understand what's going on with it. Man, everybody got chicken. That's what happened. Man. Hey, we can't even get into, like, a second-rate hotel. I mean, a second-rate motel, you dig? do they think we're going to cut their throat or something? there? They're scared, man. Oh, well, they're not scared of you. They're scared of what you represent to them. Oh, we represent to them, man, is somebody who needs haircut. Oh, no. What you represent to them is freedom. What the hell's wrong with freedom, man? That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it's all about, all right. But talking about it and being it, that's two different things. I mean, it's real hard to be free when you are bought and sold in the marketplace. Of course, don't ever tell anybody that they're not free because then they're going to get real busy killing and maiming to prove to you that they are. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're going to talk to you and talk to you and talk to you about individual freedom. But they see a free individual, it's going to scare them. No, it don't make them running scared. No, it makes them dangerous.
0: Okay, so he... He pretty much makes explicit a lot of the themes of this film, and I thought that's mm-hmm. why it was a good good way to start because then Ethan would give us some themes we could talk about them because I think George really covers them here. Ethan, what's the first theme you want us to handle here?
1: Well, this might sort of take us on a, on a hard turn from maybe what we've just listened to, but I absolutely think that we have to think about this film as a picaresque in some sense. And for our listeners who may not be familiar with this term the picaresque is a genre in which you have it's it's generally a literary genre where you have often young characters and fairly innocent characters that have a they they travel right in the same way that this is a road narrative but they, they they travel through things they don't really change they encounter a lot of strange characters and there's a lot of sort of social commentary going on. So I think in some way we have to begin by talking about this film as a picaresque. These characters don't change. They're just sort of moving through the world, encountering strange and interesting people.
0: Well, these strange and interesting people are not very different from their themselves. No, they're not. And I so I didn't maybe I didn't see it as a picaresque for that reason, but I saw just sort of ham handed direction of thematization where they stop at the farmhouse and the farmer and all his kids and his wife and talking about we don't have much but then Wyatt's like well you know you're you're doing it by yourself like you're self-sufficient. I really mm. like that. And so we're getting this idea of Wyatt's character and self-sufficiency and this idea that will be carried throughout the American dream, right? Wyatt rides mm-hmm. on a motorcycle that is the American flag,
1: right? Yeah. Well, and and again, I don't want to I don't want to say that this is perfectly a picaresque but i think that it plays with that genre and in that genre right we can we can maybe jump into one of the most important themes which is independence right Mm -hmm. or american individualism or you know what what have you there are a lot of different ways we can say this well i would
0: i would summarize that as the american dream yeah this independence of the self uh freedom from external influence self guided destiny Mm -hmm. success on your own terms
1: and and i think this maybe plays into another thing that that i think is is important and that is uh conformity versus i guess counterculture there's probably a better word for the opposite of conformity but you've got these guys that are sort of blazing or a rebellion even maybe right and that is very much tied into the american dream which is making it on your own american individualism You're riding on an American flag, motorcycle, doing what you want.
0: Yeah, so let's break this down. So Wyatt and Billy have just cashed out on selling cocaine in Mexico, right?
1: No, they take it from Mexico and sell it in L.A.
0: They sell it in L.A.? Okay, I guess that wasn't. I didn't get that quite It's not very clear.
1: I only know that because I read a plot synopsis. (laughs) Well, there you go.
0: But yeah, they they pick up cocaine and they sell it. And so they've cashed out. And like you said, they stash it in Wyatt's gas tank. So all that money is in the American flagged motorcycle. So Wyatt is riding on the American dream, which is facilitated by money Mm
1: -hmm. across
0: the country to... They say they're going to be able to retire on this. It doesn't... I don't know how much money that was, but it doesn't seem like you know one big squirrel is enough to sustain them
1: well this is why this is why i put quote unquote retire because sure. who knows how much money they have and who knows what it actually means for them to retire i mean clearly it doesn't mean you know getting a nice villa and <laughs> you know yeah it, it's it's like blowing it on hookers and and weed
0: yeah, so they're they're riding predominantly through the South, from California, through Texas, Louisiana, Southwest,
1: then, Southwest mostly.
0: Well, but they cover the entire. The idea is to cover the entire South United States, yeah, right? Yes, from California yeah. to Florida. So I would say just South in general because they're trying to get that far. They never do. We're no. not sure how far they get to their final destination. Before not much they farther get murdered. from
1: Louisiana, but yeah.
0: Sure. So they are trying to navigate the South, and so all mm-hmm. that landscape. You know, me being uh, very familiar with it, having been born and raised and continue to live here, it's not incredibly exciting. If you're talking about the coastal south, right, from Texas on. And California is nice, but again, it looks a lot like the sort of barren wastes of Texas. And I know people are gonna get mad about that, but I, I, you know, I've seen it for for so many years now.
1: Well, and we see them go through these sort of desert and sort of deserty mountainous regions of the Southwest, which are empty. I mean, it's they're not going through cities; they're going through mountainous, and if not mountainous, it's this sort of like weird desert mesa.
0: Right, and they're they're camping out there, and they're not really ever getting to civilization, as we might say.
1: No, the closest they come is is New Orleans or these small towns. Right. And those are, you know, that's a very different kind of civilization than whatever East Coast things.
0: (laughs) Right. And so they're encountering self-sufficient farmers, they're encountering communes that are trying to make it their own way in their own sort of Mm -hmm. weird counterculture, I think is a good way, like you said, Mm -hmm. to describe it their own counterculture way that is sort of free loving and drug using, but also they're trying to plant seeds and Billy's the cynic about this. These seeds will never grow, but why it says they're going to make it because they are determined mm-hmm. and if you're determined and have a dream. You can survive in America,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that also sort of runs up against the idea that this money is also going to facilitate their dream, right? In that they can continue to not work right The, the American dream is often, Uh, I don't want to work anymore. I want to work and work and work until I can... I've worked so much that I can't work. And that's somewhat entrepreneurial in nature, right? To be your Mm -hmm. own boss and then have a self-sustaining wealth. But I don't ever get that as an actual realizable goal for Wyatt and Billy. Especially what you say about them. Propensity for illicit substances and perhaps illegal prostitution.
1: Their version of the American dream is very different from maybe the traditional view right like they're they're gonna burn it up they're they're Mm -hmm. out like you know literally burning up their bodies right by drinking and smoking and doing all these sort of and i mean even the act of riding a motorcycle is dangerous and not sustainable because you get to a point where you know when you're old enough you're not gonna be able to do that anymore especially the kind of high-powered choppers that they're cruising around on you know
0: yeah, so they're living life on the edge in a lot of ways. Edge of civilization, edge of, you might say, safety in terms of the motorcycle, right? The steel horse as the, mm-hmm. the dangerous but also seductive element. As we see in the diner scene, all the girls are attracted to them because mm-hmm. of their their sort of dangerous ways, right? They're the, the, the taboo outsider that that type of um, small-town girl apparently is attracted to, but mm-hmm. the, the small-town men see as a threat. Right. And this goes back to what George is talking about in that when you represent freedom, and Billy says, actually, freedom is what it's all about. And George says, yeah, but when they see you as that, when they see you as being free and they're not, they get violent because they want to prove that they have freedom, right? And the quickest way that that you can exercise or prove to yourself that you are free is to oppress someone else, right? right? And George doesn't necessarily say that explicitly, but I think it's very easy to take that next step and say, "Well, oppression is the exercise of of one person's freedom, right? The ability to restrict one someone else's freedom is is your true freedom." And so they, and the reason these people are not free initially is because they're under that yoke of capitalism. They're bought Mm -hmm. and sold at the market, is what George says, Mm -hmm. and and he's right. And it's it's very it's a very sobering moment for this film and I take to be the most important one that's why it was a pivotal scene but I think it allows us to see the entire film in a different light and they, they were of course building up this the entire time with the self-sufficient farmer mm-hmm. and the struggling commune but the commune that has a community that's outside of civilization and it's definitely atypical counterculture mm-hmm. but it appears to be working right yeah Uh, at least according to Wyatt who's the optimist where Billy is the cynic this takes a sharp turn when they reach quote-unquote civilization we talked about the fringe element of the of the small town and what who is I think is Mark Twain that said all small towns are small for a reason (laughs) and it's because they they never can get it together to become a big town because they're still clinging tightly to their prejudices and biases and that prevents them from being an inclusive community that will prosper Mm -hmm. and so this you think of these failing towns and how much the freedom that Billy and Wyatt represent. And I think their name choices are important, right? Mm-hmm. Because that alludes to Western gunfighters, mm-hmm. outlaws, and, and sheriffs, Wyatt Earp and Billy, and the, Billy kid. the Kid. And I think that's done to represent the differences between Wyatt and Billy, but also to hearken back to the old lawless, quote-unquote, lawless West,
1: right? Yeah, and we're and we're sitting – I mean, this film does very much – situate itself as a sort of western because a lot of it is spent in the southwest on you know the the quote-unquote frontier so there is a sense that they're there you're reaching for something that's you know that's past there is no real wild west anymore they're, the frontier has been clo- quote-unquote closed for God, however many years now and they move through you know that like you said the civilization they move through is not really civilization until really you hit New Orleans. And then that's a very sort of debaucherous.
0: Yeah, I actually want to try to impose a reading on this film because I think New Orleans is supposed to be seen as a failure of civilization in this film because the kind of community and civilization that Wyatt and Billy need with their counterculture way or their outsider or othered way is that type of commune that we see the hitchhiker um engage in right or or help lead mm-hmm. and there's actually a moment where the hitchhiker when he gives over the lsd that you mentioned he says break this up into four when you find a place to settle down mm-hmm. or something along those lines and he says you know that could be here right and so he's giving him one final chance to stay mm-hmm. and Wyatt says no i got to keep going i got to keep going so we already know the restlessness of Wyatt. Florida is not going to be an ending point no. for him in any case. But hurtling towards New Orleans is actually hurtling towards their death because when they break the LSD up with the prostitutes, they have that real—I mean, it's a characteristically bad trip, right? Yeah. Uh, and there is sex in it, but there's also a lot of screaming and yelling and yeah. crying. And, and it's, it's And disturbing. that's one of
1: the—it's a very avant-garde sort of scene, right, where you've got these— these flashes of this and that and there's you hear the praying underneath and you're right there's screaming and there's crying and there's also sort of like uh, ecstasy and agony you've got all these sorts of things wrapped the up you,
0: of, of death and, and ecstasy right
1: yeah and it, well de- death and sex which are these sort of opposite but also very similar right the little death being sex exactly yeah and, and you've got these strange angles just the the Maison scene right like is mm-hmm. all about you know making you uncomfortable and it's making this it's it's uncanny right you've got uh wyatt who's who's practically making love to this uh the statue the female statue but then there's the naked woman and then you know you've got the prostitutes crying and screaming and also like in these throes of ecstasy and sex it, yeah
0: well I think so I uncharitably wrote my note about this scene as. Hey, college film students, um, you know, first try at, at some other oh, you piece. hate
1: this film, don't you, Matt? I dislike it for a lot of
0: reasons, and I think it was because it felt very heavy-handed to me. I mean, Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper helped write this movie, right? Mm-hmm. It was them two and, and a third person, and so it felt a little in places. And I know this is a, a sort of a big. You know, aspersion I'm casting here, but I I think this was a little heavy-handed and kind of um, inartful in places because of that. I like what they're trying to do. I just don't think it's executed very well for my tastes, haughty as they are, I guess, but I do like the thematization of, you know, they're having sex in this above-ground cemetery, so you have sex and death, and you also have the, appears to be a Roman Catholic... Service going on. I can't tell if yeah. they're actually there. Or if that's no, I think it's imagined.
1: Ca- it's Catholic prayers. It's I'm pretty sure it's Catholic, and that would fit for New Orleans, which is there are a lot yeah. of Catholic. Well, I, in I was New saying Orleans.
0: I don't know if they're actually there or if they're hallucinating them. Oh right, yeah, they're running around, and Wyatt's crying to the statue, but also in this sort of tender embrace with it. So all of that is is good. It just comes at a weird point, and so what I'm getting to with this is that Wyatt chooses to split this LSD, which is supposed to be. This counterculture communion, right? You can think of mm-hmm. that as as the wafer, right? If we're thinking yes. of Roman Catholicism, the communion. He splits his communion in a place that is filled with death, right? They're in the cemetery and New Orleans, which is this debaucherous place during Mardi Gras, and still very much is. I don't know if you've been there during oh. Mardi Gras, but if you've ever been on Bourbon Street, oh, any man. any any weekend, it is it is New yep, Orleans.
1: It, you can. New Orleans is my favorite city.
0: Yeah, don't get me wrong. I really like New Orleans. I just dislike Bourbon Street.
1: Oh, I love Bourbon Street. But maybe this is the this, whole. This is your problem, Nathan. <laughs> this this cautionary
0: tale, as told by 1969's Easy Rider, was was falling on deaf ears with you. But right.
1: I think maybe this that you know this might have a lot to do with the reason that you know you dislike this film and I like this film. I think there's an aesthetic, and there's it's definitely sort of a late '60s sort of. I mean, avant-garde might not be the right term here, but it is sort of like... I think like... It's,
0: it's aspiring to be avant-garde. Yeah,
1: and so I think there's this sort of like kind of arty, late 60s, early 70s I think it aesthetic feels that...
0: pretentious, the aesthetic.
1: I, I disagree. I, well, well maybe... it's fine. It's
0: not my aesthetic. I, I understand. I appreciate this film for what it tries to do. I think it falls short of the mark, and the ways in which it falls short of the mm. mark make me more critical of it, perhaps. But I
1: do want to say, again, I'm going to plug our Patreon for our dear listeners who have not bought in. You could hear Matt and I talk uh, last week about 28 Days Later, which is also, and we didn't get into it in that particular episode, but that is certainly a road film, right? A road trip film sure, uh, like this. And so I wonder if maybe, Matt, you just don't like road trip films that are kind of arty. Well, I, I,
0: spoilers. I did say I liked Twenty Eight Days Later. Right, and but they, you had a they lot both of have this plot about this long, extended road sequence, and then when they finally reach a point that is supposed to be a, I guess, lack of a better term, it's called an oasis or mm-hmm. some sort of salvatory place. Sure, it is actually a false salvation, right? As in, yeah. you know, this New Orleans scene is still a failure of civilization, just like the mansion in Twenty Eight Days Later mm-hmm. is a is a failure. And so, when Wyatt chooses to break the LSD here, I think they're committing themselves to death because he has forsaken this counterculture that he actually has a lot of legitimate reasons for believing in, the self-sufficiency, the American dream of of subsisting on one's own labor as opposed to being underneath the thumb of a boss or a middle manager, mm-hmm. and for, in, in, in favor of... Debauchery, blood and spectacle—you know, very Nietzschean mm-hmm. nihilism. When they cast all of the things that he found to be good aside for what is amounts to, you know, blood and carnival.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you
0: know, I agree. I think there's a lot of similarities, and I actually hadn't considered that until you had mentioned it. Now, and as always is the case once we talk about these films, I tend to like them more. Yeah. Because maybe you are make a convincing argument or I sort of rationalize <laughs> alongside of you. Uh, but I think it would be a good time to get to our theses now to really sort of put to bed these themes that this film presents.
1: Yes, let us. Let me throw out mine because it's short and it's sweet. And I really think that Easy Rider epitomizes Neil Young's sentiment from his great song, My, My, Hey, Hey. Where he says it's better to burn out than to fade away, and I I think this film really sort of says that, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. burn out, don't fade away, right? You, if you have to die in a die fire, like you live, right? Exactly, and and I think these guys, you know, are are willing to to go. I mean, they they drive these ridiculous motorcycles that are they're going full out on the highway, right? Mm-hmm. from everything in this film is all about forward motion forward motion forward motion until you run out of gas or until you until you incinerate yourself or are incinerated because you know you you, you can't you can't let anybody i mean the reason that they get shot and killed in the end is because billy flips off the rednecks and well, I think that's part of it, but I think it
0: is really just the overall rejection of his lifestyle and how they have that same fear that George talks about. Right. The fear of the outsider, the fear of not actually having mm-hmm. freedom, Billy's freedom to say, F you, I'm doing my thing. And that's what triggers that almost
1: base instinct in that yeah. he's a hillbilly
0: to, you know, to mm-hmm. to kill both of them.
1: Okay, so the real thesis of this film is stay away from rednecks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's like always a persistent theme in horror <laughs> movies, American horror yes, films. It is. Because it is that 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 classist sort of urban versus rural oh, yeah. stereotype. So stay away from that, but
1: Don't do math, stay away from rednecks. <laughs>
0: stay away from math and don't do rednecks. Was that what you said?
1: Oh, well, oh, ah, oh, <laughs> I quite. think I may have
0: flipped the switch, but yeah, so I was watching something as a brief aside. I was watching something last week before I saw the film, and someone actually mentioned Easy Rider on TV <gasps> and said, you know, die like you live,
1: like yeah. Wyatt,
0: and I was like, oh, I'm about to watch that film. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting side note that it's still being.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, and and that maybe even is is uh, another way to rephrase my thesis, right? Like die like you live, like you mm-hmm. you live kind of wild and crazy. And you, and you die wild and crazy. I mean, they're, they're young characters. You live wild, and then you're done. And you die in extraordinary circumstance. Yeah, and there's no future for these guys, really. No, like you no. said, if they get to Florida, what are they going to do? Well, then again. Well, well,
0: see, what they have is not a, a future, but an eternal present, right? Mm-hmm. They're living in that present. So let me give you my thesis. Give it to me. Uh, something I've said in a variety of ways already, but I want to sort of codified altogether here so the american dream of self of subsistence or sufficiency i think i like both terms there and freedom has been subverted by domesticity and capitalism Mm -hmm. making violent those that rest under that yoke so there's something tragic about the death of billy and wyatt because they're dragged down by people who are afraid to be free
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and that i feel like i'm referring to nietzsche a lot in this podcast episode but Maybe it's because it's late at night, I don't know. But in any case, Nietzsche talks about slave and noble morality, and the slave morality, its its objective before this big conversion into making these slave thoughts virtues, mm-hmm. seeks to pull down the noble morality, right? So you can think of the hillbillies and the those of civilization as the slave morality in trying to pull those who who break apart and rise above, we could think in this way, mm-hmm. pull those people back down. So Wyatt and Billy are victims of their virtues being destroyed by the masses, effectively.
1: Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, and this is that conformity versus counterculture. I mean, right. the, the American—and this is 1969, so we are like, this is the rise of counterculture, right? Sure. So you've got— people you know and especially epitomized in the I, the sort of rural rednecky sort of thing you know you go you have a wife and you have kids and you go home and they cook you dinner and you have missionary sex and you go to sleep right like and these guys are the opposite they do whatever they want they don't have a home they eat whatever's given to them, they smoke whatever's given to them, they don't drive cars, they drive ridiculous, monster motorcycle, bum 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 penis machines. And what's most important about this is they don't have jobs, right? One yes! You, you didn't put in, but
0: the, the one in the herd or the mass, or the crowd, is that they have those nine-to-fives, and they're under the yoke of someone else, whereas mm-hmm. these guys, they don't conform to that, and that lack of, of conformity is the American dream in a lot of ways. It's the self-sufficiency or Mm -hmm. self-subsistence catches, catch -catch can it is a precarious existence but it is one that is ultimately more freeing than the stable life of the conformist
1: right yeah and 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 that's it right like the the american dream does vie for that sort of financial independence but that opens up a whole different kind of world right like you it, it shifts this sort of heteronormative Capitalist domestic thing to you could do whatever you want because you have enough money to do whatever you want. You can ride around the Southwest on a crazy motorcycle, pick up crazy hitchhikers, hang out with, you know, drunk Jack Nicholson, live in the woods, whatever. And that's, and then that, you're right, it all comes out of some sort of weird capitalism deal.
0: Why don't we turn to our three questions and wrap this thing up? So, our first question, as always, is Ethan, do we care about this film?
1: I think we do because this as someone who really enjoys road movies i think i have well not i think i know i have seen echoes of this in so many other films i mean most recently for our patreon supporters 28 days later right we can see death and that's a british film but i think we can see some echoes of that in of this in that Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's just another one of these movies in a long line of, you know, there's a long lineage of American Dream road movies.
0: Yeah, and of course I agree that I do in fact care about this film, and my issues with it are probably well documented now, and I'll probably continue yeah. to speak about them in the remainder of our questions. <laughs> so let me go ahead and do that. So you're already sort of bleeding into what do we owe this film? Yeah. And so As you're do. right, there is a lot of stuff being called upon you know in other films that that sort of come out of of movies like this if not this very movie itself yeah and i i was going to ask you a question do you think it's fair to call this film a neo pastoral
1: yes absolutely
0: because we've got they're not they're on steel horses right which is mm-hmm. harkening back to the horses but also this new age thing and
1: and that's and this idea of the neo horses is Hammered home in the first like ten minutes when they oh, pull yeah. up to that farm, and you've got the guy who's putting the horseshoe on his horse on the and- horse
0: literally, and it scares the horse right.
1: It, it, well, and there's and so in the same shot, you see the horse being shooed, and they're changing the tire of the motorcycle in the barn. Like, could it right. be any more heavy-handed? I saw. Well, that see, that's I
0: was- what I was saying about a little bit of the inartful nature of this mm-hmm, film yeah. is because I don't like some of that really on-the-nose type comparisons. I like the the audience, or myself as the audience, to have to work a little bit for these things. Just a little bit. right? Don't beat me over the head with it. Just put it in my eyesight.
1: Agreed. And I think the beginning is more heavy-handed, in my opinion, than the end because that shot was a little egregious. That shot is very right. like, we're riding our modern horse. And I,
0: I agree, I'm willing to agree anyway, that it does make a a shift toward the end where these things are pulled back a little bit and Mm -hmm. you have to kind of draw your own conclusions about them. And so I like that. I think we've really been talking about most the second half of the film because that's where things change a great deal and they are less hit you over the head with stuff. Mm -hmm. I think they are, in fact, better achieving of that artful theme or purpose they're trying to achieve in having done this film.
1: Yeah. So I think we have to care about this film, you know, because – it, it, it's and it is iconic, you know what I mean? It is mm-hmm. iconic that you know it's that it's the mo it is the motorcycle film It is absolutely, and you know all this stuff comes in fact from
0: this and I think this kind of spearheaded that charge of the motorcycle representing this American, this particular branded American
1: freedom. Yeah, there's, I mean, look at his, he's got the, it's like the er chopper, you know, Mm -hmm. he's got this crazy chopper that is, it's the American flag emblazoned on it.
0: Which they spend like 90 full seconds just slowly, almost pornographically Mm -hmm. going over the the curves, and I was thinking as I was watching it. (laughs) Ethan is losing his shit right now.
1: Oh, I was loving it. And I'm really not a motorcycle kind of guy. I'm really a muscle car kind of guy, dear listeners, if you did not know. But, man.
0: But any port I, in a storm for this guy.
1: I am I am on my way actually right now. We're, I'm recording this from my car, and I'm going to go purchase a motorcycle right now. No, of course I'm not because I would kill myself on one. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> So, Ethan, that brings us to our final question, and does this film hold up?
1: I think you and I are going to disagree on this part because I think you might be right because I I love and I knew it in the first couple of minutes I love this sort of late 60s through mid 70s aesthetic there's just something about these because you know how they have those shots where it's those quick back and forth but scene transitions like mm-hmm. they're at night to morning at night to morning night to morning that goes Brr-boop. And then it's the morning again. And then there, you know, the, it'll be these sort of shots up in the sky, and we'll see the sun and it tracks down. I, I love that. And the same with the, these sort of road movies, like these big, long, wide, almost Western style, spaghetti Western style shots of the motorcycles where you have a quick cut and then you see them go off into the distance. And then you have another quick, or not quick cut, a quick pan. I love that. I, that's an aesthetic that I just very much enjoy which is again why well not again but which is why one of my absolute favorite Quentin Tarantino films is Death Proof which is hearkening back to this constantly there's visual references constantly um and ever most people hate it it's one of his least popular films but it reminded me so much of this and I love that I there's just something about that like Late sixties, early to mid seventies aesthetic that I dig, and so I think I think it holds up.
0: So I'm glad you brought up these, I want to call them blinking light transitions, mm-hmm. where you take an image from the last scene, an image from the next scene, and you alternate them yeah. three or four times, <clears throat> but slowly, you know, more slowly than that. Yeah, and right. almost like the speed of a blinker on a car, I would say, mm-hmm. right? And I just could not find a reason for that. It just felt like. Someone was messing around with settings on their camera and found out mm-hmm. you could do that. So it felt a little inartful, right? I don't know of a better term. I think I'm struggling for a term for this. And for whatever reason, it just wasn't my aesthetic. And you seemed to really like it. I, I didn't like that. And I also was not a big fan of these extended, almost music video-esque scenes. Oh, I love that. Of them driving across the country. <laughs> I understand it's what the film is about, but... You see that once in the title scene, and I get it. You do it four more times, and I'm saying, "Okay, I, I really, I really get it now." And you just can, you can just stop with this. So oh, I, I was saw that, cheering. And, and I was I thought, cheering no, them on. No, this man. is not for me. And I think this is now a victim of its own success in that because it has been done to death now. Yeah, it has. it's such a cliche that it, it almost you no. Know, I would say definitely for me, right? And I, you certainly don't echo this, but. It does not hold up in those places because of that very thing, right? So it it falls victim victim to itself in those ways and has been stereotyped and satired to pieces, right? Yes. So I think that's where it fails for me, and that's why it kind of graded against me. That and is, then I'm yeah. not a big fan of, of the pacing of the first, I don't know, three-fifths of the movie. And oh, so no, these I things all compile to say... No, this film does not hold up. Yes, I care about it, and yes, we owe a great deal to it, but it is not... I see why it's recommended viewing, right? Why this is on the top 100 list. I don't think it's on my top 100 list.
1: I hear your issues, and I don't disagree. And I think that if this is the kind of film... like Because, because again, I love road movies, and I love a sort of gritty 60s, 70s-style film... And I'm willing to... sort Because you're right. It, you, you look at things like... I don't know. There are all these forgettable movies that get churned out by Hollywood every year that have so many visual references or... Har- I mean, it's... I, there. I, it Wasn't there some movie with Tim Allen and a bunch of like... And like... Yeah, it's literally called Old Hogs, I think. Yeah, Old Hogs or Wild Hogs. Or something, and I'm sure... Like, that's the most egregious version of this. But there's there are lots of these scenes with like Born to be Wild and people pulling up on motorcycles. But for me to see that like original version again. I mean, I was cheering. How many times did I tell you? I was cheering that when that fucking born to be wild came on, they shifted to that scene. I screamed. Yes. Yes. And then they have that whole, that whole sort of long. And now it seems kind of contrived and seems cliche. But I love seeing the sort of first version of this, or maybe maybe not even the first version, but the the best and most iconic version that becomes the one that has echoes forever. I just love it. And but, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong.
0: Well, there you have it, Matt. is not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we will bring this episode to a close. We Let have us. some motorcycles waiting for us outside. We're gonna ride right mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. The sunset. Uh, and I love like he lived. So <laughs> two weeks from now, we have the next film on AFI's top 100 list,
1: Titanic. Oh, my God. We we're going to watch Titanic. We're going to watch
0: freaking Titanic. But next week, we are back on Patreon for our patrons of the arts. Our $5 a month that gets you two bonus episodes are 28 Days Later episode was over an hour so we're really putting in the content pulling out we are and we are going to do moonlight academy award-winning moonlight good choice matt and so stay tuned for that and stay tuned for us back here on soundcloud at itunes and stitcher for our free canonical list but until next time i'm matt Bazell.
1: and i am ethan knight And there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers! There will be spoilers is hosted by Matt Bazell and me, Ethan Knight. It's produced each week by Matt Bazell our artwork is by Becca Knight you can find her on Twitter at BeccaTheKnight our great music was produced and created by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder you can check him out all over the internet you can always find us on Twitter at SpoilersCast and you can find us on Patreon if you would like to support us for only $5 a month also at Patreon.com SpoilersCast our email continues to be SpoilersCast at gmail.com so send us some complaints hate mail and maybe a compliment or two remember please subscribe to us on SoundCloud iTunes or Stitcher and we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on iTunes it really helps thank you so much Now hold on to the railing keep your eyes closed don't pee I'm not step up onto the rail hold on
0: Keep your eyes closed. (laughs) Do you trust me? I trust you.